0: The Crude Life with host Jason Speece.
1: Thank you, folks, for joining us this week. We've got a fantastic program in store for you. We talk with Colorado State Senator John Cook as he gives a summary of what happened in Colorado with their recent war on oil and gas. Cook, who served as the sheriff of Weld County, talks about the relationship between Colorado and energy development. Cook explains the next steps in energy regulatory process in Colorado and uh, what energy-minded citizens should come to expect in 2020. Plus, we talk with Terry Vaughn from Acid Tank Leasing. They've got a fantastic program that they have going on there. Frack tanks. Now, a lot of times they're known for leaking, failing, right at the manifold and the floors and the walls. Frack supervisors at the well site hate dealing with the constant leaking. Now, keep in mind, spills are not required to be reported at a federal level unless they exceed 5,000 pounds. So many spills go unreported. Well, we've got a great little thing here for you folks. Terry Vaughn has come up with a way to stop many of these leaks right there. He's proactive in the oil patch. Currently, they're working in the Marcellus, Utica, Permian, Mid-Continent soon to be in the Bakken oil fields. All of the tanks by Acid Tank Leasing and Terry Vaughn come equipped with advanced safety features and mission controls. 99% of the frack tanks in service uh, are not like these ones, so we're very happy to bring Terry Vaughn on the program to talk a little spill prevention in the oil patch. And then, of course, we get to our weekly Davis Refinery update with William Prentice, the CEO of the Meridian Energy Group and the Davis Refinery coming to the Bakken Oilfield, Belfield, North Dakota. Okay, we've got a full, 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 full show. See, so many fulls, I had to say it eight times and even stumble over one of the fulls. Apologize here. It's the weekend, folks. Let's chill a little bit, I guess. We can Review. All right, who do we got today? Well, we've got Terry Vaughn from Acid Tank Leasing. We've got Colorado State Senator John Cook and William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review, and let's get to State Senator John Cook. Colorado State Senator John Cook talking about the recent war on oil and gas.
2: John Cook, COOK, C-O-O-K-E, State Senator for District 13.
1: Outstanding. Thank you very much for joining the program. And District 13, just to give us a little geography and context a little bit, uh, that's Greeley and Weld County, is that correct?
2: Yeah, it's a part of of uh, Weld County. It's uh, Greeley, and for those not familiar with the area, That's I call it the Highway 85 corridor down towards the Denver area. It, uh, I'm one of three senators that represents Weld. Mine's exclusive in Weld County, so it goes Greeley down to the county
1: line. And the reason that's obviously something we want to point out is because Weld County... Uh, not only is one of the top producers in Colorado, but it's one of the top five consistently in the United States. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the history of Weld County when it comes to oil and gas development.
2: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, it's not one of the uh, top producers in Colorado. It is the top producer. Um, there's um, over twenty five thousand wells in Weld County right now, and um, so we've had a long standing history with oil and gas. Um, as far as I know I don't know if we ever had a, um, a man camp because it's been established for so long um, they've been drilling up there for as long as I can remember a wonderful uh, relationship with oil and gas when we had floods that hit in 2013 oil and gas was there to um, help uh, help us restore our uh, our
1: infrastructure talk to me a little bit about what's happening in Colorado you mentioned this history that weld county has in in Colorado from everything from community to you know to I guess, government entities, you know, we talk about taxes and schools, et cetera. Uh, But talk to me a little bit about, you know, the past year, what's been going on since uh, right around that time, I guess, the new governor got into office and and put through a uh, bill, I believe SB 181 is is what it's commonly referred to. But just talk to me a little bit about that and get people caught up to speed on what happened with uh, the past year and a half in Colorado. Sure,
2: well... What happened was, unfortunately, um, the Democrats took control of uh, the Senate. We had control for my first four years down here of the Senate, and the Democrats had the House. So we were the backstop to um, any of the crazy bills that were coming over from the House. So there was one year they uh, passed out of the House and came over to the committee I was on, which is ag, natural resources, and energy. And the bill made um, oil and gas responsible for all earthquakes in the state. And then they were had strict liability for any damage done. So the Senate, we need the backstop for those kind of things. Well, the Democrats won control of the Senate, and they uh, kept control of the House and the governorship. So there is no backstop. And so what happened is the it's a, basically a war on oil and gas. And the governor declared after 181 passed that um, the war on oil and gas is over, but that's far from the truth. And so the Democrats hate the industry and the uh, the state is being ran by boulder democrats and um and you know you look at the governor he's from boulder the speaker of the house in uh, um in the house was not the speaker well the speaker is from boulder the majority leader used to be from boulder moved to denver and the majority leader in the senate is from boulder so we have these uh, boulderites these liberal democrats that, are, that hate industry and want to shut it down and um one of them the uh, um The the, uh, sponsor of 181, uh, Steve Fenberg, actually mentioned in town hall he wants to stop all production of oil and gas in the state. And so that's why he uh, ran uh, Senate Bill 181, which puts um, a lot of restrictions – well, it's going to put a lot of restrictions on oil and gas and the development. So um, it it was a bad year um, for the industry. It's a bad year for the people of Colorado because you're right, the industry pumps in – Hundreds of millions of dollars into the state through uh, taxes, um, severance tax, and uh, these schools having you know, money that uh, comes in from the uh, from taxes. Um, Weld County alone, two hundred million dollars to the school districts in Weld County, and uh, you know two to three billion statewide in all other taxes. So, um, it's a very vital um, industry for not only Weld County but the entire state. And I was at a I was talking to. Um, I was on a panel a couple of weeks ago, and, and what was, somebody mentioned, or I mentioned, actually, that um, what happens in Weld County affects the rest of the state. And he didn't buy it. And I said, really? Well, take a look at 44% of the office space in downtown Denver is oil and gas related. So if oil and gas picked up and left or they were regulated out of existence in this state— downtown denver would be a ghost town um the the two to three billion in other taxes for the state of colorado um that means less money for schools less money for teachers um and um you know i see i would foresee things shutting down
1: and that was colorado state senator john cook to listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews visit the crude that's the crude my name is jason speese and you're listening to the crude life week in review energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com.
0: Historic The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
3: I
1: totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds want someone who's competent
0: you don't want to get a bunch of rookies love listening to jason Speece on the radio and if i miss him there i catch him online let's bring in jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in north dakota um jason what's your thoughts on this no one does an interview like jason Speece.
1: Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Terry Vaughn from Acid Tank Leasing.
3: Terry Vaughn, and the company is Acid Tank Leasing.
1: Appreciate you joining the program here today. And I'm very excited, actually, because this is one of those stories that seems to get in the news all the time, but nobody knows anything really about the industry. In North Dakota, where I was born and raised, it it, it seems like if they spill a thimble of anything out there from salt water to crude oil to, you know, diesel oil, it makes the news. And there's certain numbers and that sort of thing that um, people have to reach before it reports the news. But it seems like it's very small because there's always some infighting going on between industry and and uh state and everything like that but i didn't want to get into the politics of that i just wanted to kind of give you context about how i'm very familiar with with the you know the spills and and kind of that side of the industry so really what you provide is a solution and that's why we wanted to bring in the program today was talk more about some of the solutions that you're providing out there within the industry so thank you for joining the program today
3: Well, I appreciate that, and I understand what you're talking about. Good news travels slow, bad news travels fast. Oh, isn't
1: that the truth? It it, it, it is a crazy world that we're in. It is, you know, and talk to me a little bit about your industry and, you know, why why, why that is the case, you know? I mean, nobody ever really highlights you guys on the front page for going in there and taking care of a leak or preventing a leak. Well,
3: I, I, I mean, I, I've got a long background in, in the oil field, and then uh, my background is also in the painting and, and sandblasting, you know, business. And uh, from, from being in the painting and sandblasting and refurbishing oil field equipment, you know, I, I get to see a lot of things that people don't, you know, see. And... We just happened to be dealing with uh, the acid side of things, you know, because of the coatings and linings, you know, trying to make you know things work and stuff and everything. And you know, it, it, it didn't take us long to figure out, you know, what what they got here is really a serious problem. You know, I mean, I'd been in the oil field. I mean, I'd hear things, but never thought about it until we actually started, you know, refurbishing equipment and stuff and everything. And then I started looking at you know some of the regulations. I mean. There's, Things that people don't even know is a lot of people don't know that. I mean, it's like on the air, you know, you're only allowed to emit, you know, uh, five parts per million in, in uh, pollutants in the air, you know, as far as hydrochloric acid. So, you know. In the process of rehabbing things, we started looking at you know these are not working i mean there's there's way too many wells, they're flat, you know I mean there's no safety features and stuff and everything and you know I mean technology is wonderful i mean of what's out there, so we just started looking at things as far as the acid storage deal for, for on-site fracking, you know, what we could do to change this to make it better for the environment, to make it better for safety, you know, and, to, you know, something that would work. And that, that's how I designed and developed what I did. I, I you know, covered uh, the safety end to where, you know, you're, you're hands-free on the gauging, you know, and uh, I covered the environment side of it, you know, for – Ignitions, you know, ignitions in the product that I de- uh, developed, uh, you know, we we emit uh, 0.5 to 2.8 parts per million in the atmosphere, and that's, that's it. And uh, so then, you know, I mean, I took a little further. I had a good friend of mine with uh, Continental Resources when I started developing this. And he said, man, he said, Terry, he said, I I, hate you. He said, I like you, you're a smart guy, but he said, I'm going to tell you right now, he said, it's going to be a tough world changing the oil field to something that really works, but he says, emphasize on safety, 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 and he says, then go back to safety. So that's so actually... What, what I did is, I mean, we just built a product that, that we're really proud of and stuff, and then I, then I never stopped, you know, I mean, I, I started with, with a smaller tank because I was having trouble finding a break because of my design uh, that could actually break the steel, so I started with a 380, and then I found a company that could break my steel longer sheet. so I went to a 480. And you know, then, then you know, we got that all developed and stuff. But in my mind, to make things better, you know, I, I, I got to go beyond this because I'm still building a steel tank that's line and, and granted, I I've got a lining that nobody else has got. I'm uh I'm, I'm restricted to say who it is. I mean, I've got an exclusive on it and stuff and everything. But I still got a steel tank that's uh you know lined. And uh, even though I've Developed everything to where you get a seat before you get a leak and you can find it We've never had a spill and stuff and everything, you know I mean, I continuously put money in the business and and Change things and make it better and better and better and now I'm to the point where I've Designed and developed and got patent pending on a polypropylene tank I mean, I'm still you know building the steel tanks, but I've got polypropylene. I mean, we just look at everything uh, as what can I do to make it better for everyone else? I, I mean, and I, I I happen to know and understand deeply that I'm not putting syrup in these tanks. I'm putting hydrochloric acid in here, and I have to have something that works that goes all the way down to our valves. You know, I mean, I actually worked with the company and manufactured a valve for me. You know, that holds up the acid. I mean, when I first started out. I just, I had heck, you know, getting with service calls and had a valve that was tri- dripping and stuff and everything. And of course my design, I'm double valve. So, you know, it, it was easy not to have, you know, leaks and spills from the valves, but we just further developed, you know, The the tank that I designed has got a pitch from the front to back where it'll drain out, you know, easy. I've got a patented, you know, bottom design where it comes out of the bottom. You're not leaving acid, you know, in the tank when you're moving it. I've got a war system where you hook up, you run 30 barrels through it, you know, uh, with the proper solution, you know, chemicals to neutralize it. You suck it out, it's neutralized. So when you're going down the highway, you need all DOT regulations because the tank's actually clean. I mean... We we just continuously develop. I mean, the hardest thing that I, I've had is probably the development of, uh, of sensing the levels in the tank. You know, I got an electronic sensing deal. I've literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on the research and development of that system. And we got a system system now that's you know 98 to 99 percent fail proof. You know, I mean. It's electronics, so we still have a little bit of problem, and we're still spending money in developing that, you know? I mean, it, you know, it, to me, I look at everything as to make something better. I love the oil field. It's been in my blood my whole life, and the background with corrosion,
1: it was just a fit for me. I wanted to ask you about the different types of spills out there, because, I mean, I get press releases all the time, like I said, from salt water to... You know different kinds of of spills, and I'm thinking acid has got to be one of the most crucial and and, and important ones to energy companies, really. Uh, just because the way I was raised with the word acid, that stands out. Do, do you? I guess ta- educate me a little bit on the different types of still spills when it comes to costs and environment. And obviously, you know the acid side of it because that's your profession, but I, I imagine through osmosis, you at least know the difference between, uh, you know, like a salt water spill and an acid spill.
3: Right. I, I mean, the main thing, which, what, what happens to the acid, if you, you spill acid, you know, I mean, it, it, it literally, you know, I mean, solidifies, you know, the soil and know eats and stuff and everything and you know until it eventually gets neutralized by eating you know the lime and the calcium and stuff and it'll it'll eventually get you know neutralized and stuff but you know you don't want it to get in you know water streams and you know just just like you know salt water i mean you know salt water is is also you know a contaminant but it's not as corrosive you know as the acid is i mean the problem with the acid it is so corrosive and stuff, and that was, that was the problem in 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 their design. You know, with fat tanks, you know, and then putting a good lining in them. And, you know, a lot of them got good linings, but you know, they only hold up for so long. And then when you've got, you know, a tank that's got just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of lineal inches of welds in it and stuff, that that creates potential because in the coating business, you know, the welds and any penetrations to the tank is where you have. Problem. So, I mean, that was the first thing that I did in my design was, you know, to design a product that i got to fur less wells in and a standard tank. You know, that, that, that cut out, you know, about everything, you know, is, is by taking care of those wells.
1: Mr. Terry Vaughn, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a brief pause. As we come back. We'll continue our conversation with Terry Vaughn from Acid Tank Leaking, talking about spill prevention and new innovative products being used in the oil field to stop leaks right there at the source my name is jason speese and this is the food life we review
0: kind of like that, we're kind of
3: like that, oh, yeah. Jason Speece, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
0: I totally
1: agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you will let people make up their own minds want someone who's competent you
0: don't want to get a bunch of rookies love listening to Jason Speece on the radio and if I miss him there I catch him online let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota Um, Jason what's your thought on this no one does an interview like Jason Speece. historic the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years innovative the cleanest most technologically advanced downstream project ever the model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.
1: Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us coming up next we continue the conversation with Terry Vaughn from acid tank leasing.
3: well I mean what, what I've seen from rehabbing you know tankers and acid tank and stuff and everything nobody my son got me going on this you know he says dad he says what what we're rehabbing is great yeah I and mean, he said we're making a living that's what we're in this to do but he said this is not what you need to be putting acid in he says nobody is thinking outside the box. He says, you need to think outside the box, you know, and it was an interesting deal because you know, I mean, I, I was just like everybody else. This is what they use. They come in and I rehab them. We put the best lining that was possible in there and stuff, you know, but it was still a tank that was literally designed, you know, for water, salt water flow back. It wasn't really designed for acid. And, and people are smart, you know, I mean, they, they utilized what they had and they put a lining in it and was making it work the best they could. And, and then, you know, like I said, my, my son brought it up to me, you know, this this is not right, we're, we're having these, yeah, we're making money, Dad, but, you know, he says, people ain't thinking outside the box, you know, and I'd asked my son then, I said, okay, you got any ideas? He said, no, Dad, I don't, he says, but, you know, you need to come up with something, <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I mean, I, I'm just going to be truthful with you here. I mean, I thought, you know, i I got a farm background, too. I've always farmed, worked in the old field and stuff. You know, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box, but, you know, I'm no dummy and stuff and everything. And I, I mean, what, what I, what I started, I just started thinking. I, I, I started, I'm a Christian man. I started praying. And one night, it just, it just came to me what I needed to do. I mean, it just, it just came to me. And then, then I started thinking outside the box I, uh, I started getting non-disclosure signed with Halliburton, Basie, Baker Hughes, and I started having meetings with engineers, started showing them designs I had, and I said, you know, this is kind of what I think, can I get some input from you guys, and what's going to make it easier for you guys to hook on, you know, and stuff, you know, make it so we can have less bills from, you know, the bows and the hooking up and stuff and everything, and I got input, you know, from engineers and stuff and everything. And, and then I just I just put everything together. And it seems like everything that I did a, as we went along and something would arise, you know, can you do this? Well, it's like the tank was already designed for that and it was able to accept that. It's like the first tank that I built, yeah, in my mind, I had it built for scrubber and stuff, but I, I, I had no scrubber. I hadn't really developed that. I kind of had in my mind what to do and I had the space in the tank built to accept scrubber. And I, I, I got a call from Chesapeake and he says, Man, we, we, we love your tanks. You're, you're only emitting thirty-eight parts per million and stuff, but you know, when we're lining these tanks up on big fracks, he said, We're still getting too many fumes. He says, Is there any way that, you know, you can put a scrubber on this tank? And I just kinda laughed. He goes, Did I say something funny? I said, No, sir, you didn't. I said, You said something that I had in my mind way back. But I didn't understand enough about the regulations. I didn't go ahead and develop a tank with the scrubber on it. But I said, sir, I have got a scrubber. I can put a scrubber on it. And we put a scrubber on it. Uh, Chesapeake called in an environmental company out of uh, Kansas City. They did all the testing on it on site and stuff and everything uh, on a a big frag. And man, it did everything that, that we thought it would do, that I thought it would do and stuff. And it was a simple, you know, scrubber system stuff, not elaborate, didn't cost me a fortune to do. And then that, that opened my world to everything I build now. Has scrubbers on it, everything that I previously built. I put scrubbers on it. And then that's where we start developing the electronics to keep guys hands off the acid, you know, where you don't have to stick a stick down in it and pull it out and look at your gauge and you know, it's it's a closed system
1: wanted to ask you about, you know, you mentioned corrosion a few times, and that's obviously one of the reasons why you're joining us today is because there's there's aging infrastructure happening across the United States. So not only is this a discussion about, you know, spills and preventive uh, technology that's out there, but uh, the aging containers, I, I would imagine. I mean, we got aging bridges and aging pipelines and containers that, I don't imagine anybody's talking about that because I, I don't see it anywhere. But as long as I have you on the horn here, um, how, how are the containers doing as far as uh, the aging behind it? My guess is there needs to be a, uh, a remodel done if 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 there isn't bridges and pipelines too. Well, I, I mean, and,
3: and that's a good point. And, and what happens is you know the oil field just like I do. It's It's up and down. It's never... It's never steady, and, and what happens in the corrosion deal is these guys have had acid in these tanks, and then the oil field will slow down, and then their tanks will just sit there and stuff and everything. I, what I've seen probably create more problems than anything is what people understand. You take a tank that's had acid in it, it ain't been flushed and cleaned properly and neutralized, and then they say maybe you kind of rinsed it out, you left some residue in it, and then it's just sitting there. Well, that's actually worse on a tank than it is if I have acid in it. You know, the way my lining works, you know, I would rather have the hot acid in it all the time and have it full, unless time's empty. That's why I developed a system in it to where it wrenches and neutralizes it. And so if I do set for periods of time, it's not corroding in, in, in either way because what happens with acid in there's a permeation process it, and it's actually permeate, permeating in through the lining. and it will eventually get to the steel unless you neutralize that. And, and then, you know, my background in the corrosion, you know, I mean, I, I've done large bridge structures, sandblasting, painting, you know, because of the corrosion in the mill scale building. And, you know, I mean, uh, at connection joints, you know, that'll build up, it'll actually put pressure and create problems. And that's where you get, get breaks. You know, the difference in a container and stuff is you're getting permeation. And once it gets to the weld, the weld would go really fast, you know, penetration, because you've changed the molecular makeup of that steel you know, once you weld it on it, I've literally had tanks in that we've refurbished. You know, well, not my tanks, but other tanks that I seen bare spots on the steel and stuff, and I didn't see no corrosion. But when I seen a bare spot next to uh, a weld or a penetration, I mean, the corrosion was unbelievable. I mean, it happened so fast and stuff and everything. So.
1: Got a different question for you here too, Uh, as long as we're talking about the changeover and some of the aging infrastructure, that sort of thing. Green technology innovation when it comes to energy, I find it fascinating because something as simple uh, as how the bend in a pipe is done, something as simple as a tank design can be the difference of of something being green or not and, and reducing emissions to x amount of percentages and that sort of thing does your design and your your company uh have products that that kind of fall into that category where you've mentioned you know it's a innovative way so how about on the green side and the environmental side no and-
3: You brought that up. I mean, I'm one of those guys that I'm not old school. You know, I might be 60 years old, but I, I, I love the green technology, and I think it coincides with you know the, the older technology, and I, I believe that's the way that it's got to work. You know, I mean, some of this politician stuff that you're hearing, you know, green, green, shut this down, and stuff and everything that's that's not common sense thinking to me. You know, you want to build your green technology, you want the environment to, to, to be better and better and better, but but you can't do away with what you're doing right now. You just got to continue to work it better, and then you continue to work on the green technology and stuff where, where you can you know, we'll perfect it and stuff, and then, then you replace some of the other technology. I mean, the petroleum in industry is not going to go away. It's not going to go away for a long time because we're, we're not to the point we need to be in, in society, you know, with the green technology and, and the cost and stuff. It's just like my tanks or anybody's tanks and stuff with the green technology acid. I mean, they've got what they call the green technology acid. Literally, guys can stick their hands in it, and it won't burn you and create you problems and stuff and everything. But, you know, there's drawbacks with, with a lot of things. What happens with this green technology acid you're using, it's actually more corrosive than than what the hydrochloric acid is as far as to the steel and the product that you're putting it in. I mean, it's really corrosive. And then if you spill it, it, it still, you know, creates some environmental problems and stuff. So actually, the green technology for, for helping, you know, as far as safety and the guys not getting burned stuff, you know, I mean, some aspects, it's what I'm seeing in here, and hearing. it's it's better than some aspects. It's not, but you still got a corrosion problem, and it's more corrosion, uh, you know, on tanks and steel and stuff than uh, the regular acid.
1: How many different shale plays are you guys currently in?
3: Oh shoot, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've got seven locations right now in Texas. We're in New Mexico uh, you know, naturally I cover South Texas, the Permian Basin stuff. I've got tanks up in uh Utica, you know, in West Virginia, in, in Ohio, and uh, we're up in Montana. And we we've had some uh tanks up in your area. I'm just getting in y'all's areas and that's a different And that was
1: Terry Vaughn with Acid Tank Leasing to listen to a full length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews. Visit the crudelife.com. That's the crudelife.com. My name is Jason Speece. You're listening to the Crude Life Week in Review. Mind
3: blown, you're mind blown. I show you something that's never been shown.
1: Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com.
0: Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Jason
3: Spees, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
1: I totally agree with you and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, with our weekly Davis Refinery Update.
4: Yeah, that's that's been an ongoing story and a, and a very interesting one. To You know, I'm, I'm an engineer by training, so I get very excited about what we're going to do. And uh, uh, our our team is, is very, very uh, first-rate, um industry-wide these are guys who didn't want to do things the same old way Uh, this started during the permit process i i think a lot of people were confused by the fact that we got very excited about what we were going to be doing on air quality uh, even after we filed the first uh, uh, generation of our air quality permit application and in fact we came back in uh, uh, in april of 2017 with an amended application that showed reduced emissions we're so excited about what we'll be able to achieve on the engineering side and this is just a matter of the fact that nothing like this has been done in 40 years uh last full conversion refiner was built in 76 i think it was and there's just been a lot of technology developed that hasn't been applied comprehensively in a project like this, yet so obviously we were excited about that. Uh, the permit was was granted based on that new engineering, and although we were very conservative uh, in in doing this, we were able to achieve a synthetic minor source designation for the plant, uh, which again was a first in the industry. Oil and Gas Journal called it uh, historic. And since then, when we get into the details of design, as we've been doing for the last uh, six months, uh, we're going to be able to do even better uh, in actual uh, practice. Uh, so, you know, our, our ability to uh, surpass even what we've committed to in the air quality permit is, is just, uh, we're amazed by that, and, and we're very proud of it. Uh, and it's not just the performance of the project. I mean, you know, good engineering would guide you down this route anyway. When oil is worth a dollar a barrel, like it was over 100 years ago, uh, your attitude towards wasted hydrocarbons is different than it is at 60 $70. So good engineering does not like waste. Those are all hydrocarbons that are worth money but uh, the fact that they get out into the air is not something that uh, we want to see because we think the industry needs to redo itself and become uh, proficient in in building plants that can be put exactly where they're needed, you know, not kicked down the road uh, to where pollution is theoretically more more, uh, uh, allowable, uh, which is kind of strange to think that way, but that's the way industry has been handled in this country today. Um, so, yeah, you, you've touched on a hot button. I'm, I'm really excited about the technology and what we're doing here.
1: Well, I think it's the, obviously the big story. My, my uh, first story I actually did back in 2012 was the Bakken oil boom is not an oil boom. It's a technology boom. And, you know, it, obviously it's driven by oil, but there is so much truth behind that, that it's a technology boom. It's still every day, creating new opportunity through innovation. And that's that's really exciting. But the other side of this that isn't talked about, because the air quality uh, permitting seems to t- t- take up a lot of, um, uh, you know, media time, if you will, and, you know, the innovation and, and some of these things, but the sustainability on the back end uh, kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit from time to time. Let's talk about that, about how this is going to be something that's going to be sustainable after it's built.
4: Well, it, you know, the, the threshold energy to get this project in operation has been tremendous. I mean, uh, but once you get it going, it will feed innovation throughout the industry um, and, and lead to a refining industry in the United States that has dramatically lower emissions and much higher efficiency and lower cost. Uh, you know, what you mentioned about oil production, uh, the shale oil revolution uh, causing a boom and, and new innovation and uh, is absolutely true. And it has to work its way down through the rest of the industry uh, all the way to the pump. And, you know, we consider ourselves part of that, that larger uh, revolution, if you will. And part of the story there, you know, is... Uh, you know, like you were talking about back when you first covered it in 2012, they boom time. But if we recall, you know, when the price of oil took a dive uh, for several years, uh, innovations didn't stop. Those innovations continued to pace, And suddenly the oil production industry, faced with adversity, came up with even better solutions to various problems and became even more efficient. And those efficiencies and innovations have carried through into uh, in a more stable environment. And, you know, same is true of our, of our uh, refinery. You know, it's, it's a new kind of, uh, of integration of, of technology, but when you look at what the industry is facing, including the uh, recent uh, uh, explosion over in the Pennsylvania refinery and then the decision to shut that down You know, we're looking at aging plant and equipment throughout the United States devoted to refining a different kind of oil uh, coming out of the Bakken and the Permian. And it's not well suited to that. And that plant and equipment is kind of grown and along, and it needs to be replaced and updated. Uh, So, yeah, sustainability is is something that I think we'll, we'll be able to easily achieve because it's going to be the wave of the
1: future. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Terry Vaughn with Acid Tank Leasing, as well as Colorado State Senator John Cook, and William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, for coming on today's Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank you folks for choosing us as part of your weekly content. Of course, you can listen to our daily program at crudelife.com. All the information is there, plus past shows, exclusive interviews, etc., etc. Plus, we're social. We've got social media links on Facebook, LinkedIn, even the YouTubes. All those social media links are available at CrudeLife.com and click on the social media tab. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spees asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. Now we're
3: going to have no trouble with the tribble. There's no breaks in the place. It's just a UN.
1: Day. Yeah We're singing it like they did Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com.
0: Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.
3: Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
1: I totally agree with you. And the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts.